0: My thanks to this week's sponsor, Warfield Plants.
1: There is no better group of pots of flower power than forms of the shrubby potentilla, producing single rose like flowers continually from June to the
0: first frost. Hello and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook, here to exchange some news, views, a bit of seasonal advice and uh, hopefully answer some of your gardening quandaries along the way. What's been in the diary this week? Well, uh, another very, very busy few days. The open letter signed by more than 40 leaders in the garden and horticultural world Asking for an open debate on the government's proposed ban on the use of peat by gardeners has certainly got a debate growing. There are emails flying in and out from all quarters. Some of them are not very polite, but the anti-peat lobby has uh, had it all its own ways for too long and they're not taking kindly to having some of their uh, statements confronted and contested. In uh, this week's uh, emails is a very good situation report on the uh, American peat situation in trade magazine Grower Talks. The article there clearly demonstrates peat is being formed in Canada faster than the whole of North American horticultural and garden use. That particular article kills once and for all the uh, misleading suggestion that peat used in horticulture and gardens is uh, not sustainable. It is, and it can be, a renewable resource. Earlier this week, I spent uh, a day in uh, the Cambridgeshire Fens visiting a biofuel unit which converts uh, 20,000 acres of maize into uh, electricity I think something like 12.5 megawatts uh, per hour of electricity and, in addition, gas uh, to be fed into the grid. I very much hope to uh, get an interview with staff there in the next week's podcast. My visit was not so much uh, to see the generation of uh, fuel environmentally but to get updated on the digestate at the end of the process an excellent product to provide uh, organic plant foods and uh, soil improvers. Back home, concerted efforts are being made to clear, clean, dig and prepare the polytunnel for spring crops. I managed as well to get uh, cordon and fan-trained red currants and culinary gooseberries pruned. Traditionally, such crops are are recommended for north-facing walls and fences, and while mine are grown uh, and crop pretty well in just such a position, I believe uh, they would crop better facing the other three directions. What's in the news? Well, our uh, trade conferences and meetings are being cancelled wholesale and moving to virtual presentation. The Garden Centre Association and the uh, British Pot and Ornamentals Association conferences and AGMs have both been cancelled and moved online. Sutton Seeds uh, are introducing a tomato called Sugar Gloss. It's an F1, and they say it's even sweeter than Sun Gold. I'll be interested to put that to the test uh, next summer. You know, Sun Gold takes some beating. Uh, Sutton's also offer the new Self Blanching, that is... uh, above ground celery tango i rather hope uh, this summer to revert to growing trench celery it uh, is quite a bit of work and quite tricky to grow but unbeatable for taste and crunchiness unfortunately few seed companies list the trench celery these days but i see kings offer a red giant trench celery and robinson's of course have their exhibition white so I must get my order in for seeds. Uh, Blue Diamond uh, have added their 39th garden centre to their chain with the acquisition of Blackdown Garden Centre near Taunton. My uh, congratulations to Warfield Nurseries' uh, former manager Julian Shaw on his uh, RHS 40-year long service medal. There are not many who can uh, claim such loyalties. How about a bit of uh, seasonal advice? I've got uh, quite a nice little showing of uh, seedlings on the kitchen windowsill. Uh, Lettuce, little gem just pushing through. Uh, The onion mammoth exhibition from uh, Robinson's. A few late sowings of sweet peas, I saved a bit of seed from a really long-stemmed plant. I think it was Millennium, the one we sowed, but the actual stems on the flowers were uh, well over two feet long. I'll be interested to see whether the uh, offspring from the saved seed retain that long stem. It is quite tricky to uh, keep early-sown seedlings short and compact. I mean the lettuce, I move them as close as I can to the window and sweet peas and broad beans just pushing through. When the weather's mild, I move them outside and just leave them on the step so they get full sunlight and uh, stay a little bit uh, sturdier. Takes a bit of time but I'm afraid if you want early crops then you have to give them uh, that little bit of special attention. My guest this week for our podcast is Andrew Tokley. He's uh, the director at King's Seeds in Cockershall, Essex, and I think it would be fair to say that the two of us go back a few years in fact, I seem to remember our son buying a rabbit from a very young Andrew Tokely many years ago. <laughs> Andrew, we're both in Essex, but uh, how is life with you at Coggeshaw today?
1: Um, very good, yeah. It's a lovely day, I must admit. A bit chilly, but uh, what you'd be expected this time of year?
0: Now, Andrew, if we go back about 18 months at the start of lockdown
1: in March, uh, life was quite lively for you, wasn't it? Uh, just a tad, yes. We didn't have a spare moment of the day. Um, Orders were coming through like mad because everybody was sitting at home. They couldn't do anything and they thought they'd tackle the garden. So they all thought they'd ordered their seeds online. I think it hit every seed company around. They didn't know what was happening. Eventually we had to sort of suspend websites and close phone lines just to keep on track, really.
0: It would be fair to say that none of us had really experienced anything like it, you know, what a dramatic change in trading. And, and how are things going now then? What's the situation?
1: Still busy. When we had the mass sales, at the end of that year we were over 50% up on the previous year, which is unheard of in this industry, you know, to have such big sales. But they're still buoyant, you know, sales are good, not as good as that, but still ahead of what they were two years ago when it was normal, if, you, if you'd if like to say. And
0: what about the supply of seed then? Because if you get a 50% increase, most seeds people will be working from seed that is in stock and it takes you, what, 12 or 15 months, perhaps two years to uh, Build up an increase in uh, stock seed. So, uh, how did you
1: cope? Well, we're quite fortunate that at King's we not only supply hobby packets, we also supply seed to small growers. So, we do hold a little bit more seed than some companies. But even so, all the growers were buying more as well because they were buying that little bit extra. But It's all about in this industry, it's a very small industry and right across Europe it was the same. Um, So where you could get extra seed in, they were trying to help to get it in quick for you. So we were bringing it in. The problems really arise is where a grower has produced the seed and of course, nobody knew this was gonna happen. And they grow to a forecast and they've sold that forecast. And the things that are sort of catching us out going forward is where you've got a biennial crop, say a a cabbage or a sprout or something like that, where they haven't you know, sold all their seed but they haven't had a crop in the ground because they thought they'd got enough seed to last them until that next crop come in. So that's where the shortages might come about.
0: I mean, it's quite normal for us to recommend that people place orders early not just for seeds but for all kinds of plants if they want to avoid uh, being disappointed uh, uh, I suppose that message is more important this year.
1: It is yes um, very much so it's it's very important that uh, they try and place the order as early as they can because you know although we've secured seed to come in there are a few items where we're still waiting for seed to come in because it's coming from the harvest that was this autumn. So it's being cleaned down and it's coming. You're talking mainly things like runner beans, and you're talking um, some of the the cucurbit family, so your pumpkins, your courgettes, those sort of crops. Although they've been harvested, they take a long while to clean up to be ready to send over. And if you're sending in, say, run a bean seed that's coming in from America, they can't send it in in little dribs and drabs. They have to wait until they've got a container load and then they send the shipping container load over. So those sort of things are a little bit on the delay, but they'll be in here plenty of time for sowing. That's the main thing.
0: I feel a bit smug sitting here because... Uh... Uh, I saved quite a bit of my own runner beans this year, uh, and so <laughs> I think I must have very nearly a kilo sitting here. It's very useful for the schools, so uh, it won't be
1: wasted. That's that's useful to have a kilo, Peter, but <laughs> I need about eight tonnes of some varieties of runner beans, so it's a little bit different.
0: Eight tonnes? Goodness. I do. Yeah, well, it's a big seed, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Now, King's a very specialist in sweet peas, uh, and I'm particularly interested in sweet peas. You grow those as an open field crop in Essex. How was the yield from last summer?
1: To put it nicely, terrible. Oh, really? Absolutely terrible, purely because um, if you think back to the, the summer, we had um, one Friday afternoon, we had a storm when they were in full flower and we had 50 mil of rain in 15 minutes. And they didn't like it a lot, because it smashed all the blooms and they didn't really recover. Um, we got enough off them for some stock seed, but where we grow a big crop of mixed sweet peas, where we, we plant nearly an acre of those, normally off of that you'd get around about half a ton, we harvest to 25 kilos.
0: Goodness, yeah.
1: So luckily, we had crops not only in Essex, we had them also in, you know, Holland, Malta, USA. So we have managed to get seed in of the sweet peas to keep them going. But obviously, those crops are coming in at different times. So they are gradually coming in. But most of them are here now, just the food coming in from USA to arrive.
0: Now you autumn sow actually out in the field, so how is how is next summer
1: looking? Well they're up, they look okay at the moment, everything's looking rosy at the moment, but there's a lot of time between now and when we harvest the next crop. <laughs> so <laughs> at least they come through, that's the main thing. It, to be fair, October when we normally sow them, we have to pick a week when you know the conditions are right and if you think back October this year, the soil conditions were perfect. It was nice to easy to work the land where sometimes we're dodging showers and everything else. So we got them in and then about two weeks later we had a good shower and they're coming through lovely, you know, they really are.
0: So we'll keep our fingers crossed for that then. Uh, and, and, and presumably if you get a good year, sweet pea seed will last a season or two, won't it? It, it will help you to carry forward.
1: It will. I'd, I'd love to have a year where I have enough seed to keep me going for a year or two, but the last few years, it's been very, you know, what I what I produce, we sell. So it's, you know, it's um one of those uh, things that has gained in popularity. It certainly yeah. has.
0: Now, we think we have at least three million new gardeners, Andrew. Um, I respect your skills and experience, not just uh, as a seedsman, Uh, For a number of years, you've grown exhibition vegetables, I think, to a pretty high standard. In fact, uh, um, I think your local village people have my sympathy when you arrive with your uh, monster leeks and onions and runner beans grown to perfection. So so can I ask you, uh, the three million or so new gardeners that we have now, what would you suggest, what tips and advice would you give them?
1: Well, the main tip I would give to anybody who's growing new from seed is always buy a good quality seed-sowing compost. That's the main thing. Don't buy something cheap and cheerful. Buy a good quality seed-sowing compost. And always water seedlings with tap water. Don't use water from a water bucket. Because water butts can be dirty and at the end of the day a seed is like treating a newborn baby and you wouldn't go and wash your newborn baby in a dirty river. (laughs) So don't put that on top of your nice clean seeds, you know, because you want something nice and clean to grow. So always good seed-sour and compost and always use tap water, which is clean. We know it has chlorine in, but if it's clean enough for us to drink, it's clean enough for seeds.
0: A uh, very sound advice. Would would agree with that entirely. Now, what about choice of things to grow?
1: Well, I have a few favourites. Um, if I was going to grow a carrot, I would always grow something like Eskimo, which has got some cold tolerance, and it was originally bred so that you could sow it in the summer and it would overwinter outside without having to worry about covering it or anything. You know, it's frost tolerant but I grow it from the early spring right through and I'm pulling my last row at the moment. And so you've got nice carrots that I sowed in June, July time um, and I'm pulling those, you know, in, in January time, So that's, which is great.
0: If I could interrupt a second, you said sowing in June, July. With that late sowing, you stand a chance of missing carrot fly?
1: You you still need to put some sort of a protection over them because carrot fly will still be about at that time of year. Not as bad, but you still can get them. Um, And the booty of Eskimo, I think, it's a superb flavour, which is what you want to grow for a carrot anyway. And as far as other things to grow, I would say if you've got something that you've always grown and it's worked for you, stick with it. Um, and then I know we all bring out loads of new varieties every year. I always say, well, if you've got something at works, stick with that and then add in one or two new ones along the way just to give you something of interest when you walk down the garden path to see how it's growing. And those new ones may become your favourites in the future.
0: Certainly on my small veg plot here, uh, I use uh, quite a bit of environment mesh you know, to give protection. I've got a big frame, actually, that I put over Brussels sprouts and the uh, winter greens because that not only keeps off cabbage fly as opposed to carrot fly, uh, it also keeps the pigeons off and the cabbage white butterfly off. And so a bit of um, environment mesh I find very useful.
1: A lot of um, allotment gardeners who are, let's put it this way, a little bit more frugal and don't always want to spend out for EnviroMesh, if you buy scaffold netting, it's even cheaper. Oh, that? And you can buy it on longer rolls. Oh, I like that tip. Where do you get scaffold meshing? You can find it on any good website, and you can buy scaffold netting, and they'll deliver it to your door (laughs) on big rolls. And it's the same sort of mesh as EnviroMesh. So if you want something three metres or whatever, and you can have it whatever colour you like, A lot of allotment gardeners are using that now because they've found, this. particularly if you're covering, say, big brassica cages, you need a lot of net, and to do it with EnviroMesh is a bit more expensive, so use scaffold netting.
0: You learn something every day, and boy...
1: Every day's a school day, Peter. That's a very useful tip. (laughs) That'll save me a few shillings. Well, I picked that up from my colleague and someone you know, Peter Miller, who does our sweet peas here. And uh, Peter, I went down to his allotment and, and I see this scaffold net and laying everywhere and I said, well, where did you get that from? He said, well, that scaffold net. And then I think he got his first bit when he see a scaffolder and after that he found out you buy rolls, so he buys buy the, the roll now. Amazing. Well,
0: and you mentioned Peter. I mean, <laughs> I think, Andrew, he has more information in his mind than you, doesn't he, on Seed? What an amazing character he is. What. Well,
1: well, he's, he's in his 70s and he still works every morning at King's and he's been here since he left school. And his grandfather was here before him. So, yeah, he, he knows a lot about seed and um, he's still as bright as a button and still operates, I think, if not two, if not three allotments. So, uh, yeah, he's still very active.
0: Well, please convey our kind uh, regards to him. Andrew when i see uh, recommendations in papers and catalogues for people to grow for example tomato money maker i mean it that's an old variety in, in my opinion that just isn't worth growing anymore do you have varieties that uh, you wish people didn't give so much emphasis to yeah
1: i mean i think you will always sell tomato money maker as you would always sell somebody um, one of the old-fashioned Brussels sprouts, you know, like Bedford Phil basket. But you know as well as I do, Peter, if you go and see a field full of commercial Brussels sprouts that are all F1 hybrids, you'll always get a great crop. Um, you know, you won't get none of these horrible flowery open Brussels sprouts. You get good quality buttons in them. So... I think people have got to realise these new varieties, these new hybrids are being bred for a reason and it's usually because they've got better vigour, better disease resistance, often better flavour and will give outstanding garden performance, whereas some of the older varieties sometimes are not as reliable and uh, they're, they're popular still but often they're only popular because of price. They're not popular because they're good varieties. So it's a case of moving on with the times, really.
0: Uh, Andrew, it's been fascinating talking to you. Uh, If our listeners uh, want to lay hands on your catalogue, what do they look for?
1: Kingseeds.com. So if they go on www.kingseeds.com, they can find our full catalogue on there with seeds, potatoes, fruit, um, and many, many garden sundries.
0: Andrew? Thanks again, especially for that uh, scaffold netting tip. I mean, that's fantastic.
1: <laughs> Good. Glad you liked it.
0: And the tailpiece, well, a quote from George Cote. A gardener is someone who calls a spade a spade until they fall over one. <laughs> a timely reminder to always place a rake head upwards. Treading on the tines can bring the handle up to give you a nasty smack on the cheek, as I'm afraid a long time ago I learnt to my cost. So we'll always see that rakes in the shed and elsewhere are always stood tines up.
1: Of
0: my thanks to this week's sponsor, Warfield Plants, Hollyhead Road, Wolverhampton. To my producer, Rich Sharman, and to you for listening.